This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Tell me a story, Baba. What story, my son? About Shuri. All right, welcome back to Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. My name is Tyler. <laughs> and I'm to no, I'm just Bo. <laughs> yeah, they ain't let you in yet. <laughs> and I'm Aaron. Yo, so we're back to talk about one of our favorite characters, not just in the film, but also within the Black Panther comic. Her name is Shuri. She is the half-sister of T'Challa in the comic. So in the movie, I think it kind of leaves us a little bit ambiguous about whether or not she's, it really kind of says it, basically, she's the biological sister of T'Challa. Like she's a full sister. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think because she says, you know, Papa dies when speaking about T'Chaka, which was a crazy scene. But Shuri in the comics is the only biological child of Queen Ramonda, who's a second wife of T'Chaka. And so she is T'Challa's half sister in the comics. So Shuri played brilliantly by Letitia Wright, who is a star in the making. You oh, guys, she's see, there. Oh, Most man. Definitely. She's a star and she's going to get so many great roles and hopefully her own series with Shuri as well. Yes, please. But when you guys saw Shuri, what were you thinking, Aaron? Because there's a lot of black girl magic here. <laughs> and I know that means a lot to you as the father of a teenage uh, daughter. Man, she was so exuberant, but it wasn't like, it, it was grounded in this genius, Yeah, you know, and her joy was just infectious, her sense of humor. Um, I mean, it was, it was a delight. And, 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 and for someone who had never seen this young lady before, hmm. uh, uh, you know, acting in any particular role or capacity, she was, she was a, a highlight in the film for me. Oh, wow. So you've never seen Letitia Wright act, no, period? No, it was my very first time. I think most people would have probably seen her in Black Mirror, the last episode of the latest season. I still haven't watched that yet. You still haven't watched no. it yet. Yeah, so she does a phenomenal job. You'll see in that episode. Go watch that. But so this is your this is your first introduction to her. And so you get her at the peak, at the height <laughs> of what she's capable of. Yes. Bo, you're familiar with her from the comics and I, I, it's very interesting some of the scenes that they include as they introduce who Shuri is. But they putting they're putting a lot of of weight and a lot of gravity in her hands, as we talked about in a previous episode. As as very much they should. I mean, you know, so uh, Shuri in the comics is a- almost a completely different character from the Shuri on, on on the screen. Uh, that being said, uh, they kind of kind of made some nods to who she was in the comics, but they also very specifically made some intentional detours. Uh, so just to kind of give, I think, some background, I think it's probably good to dig into the character that you don't know if you've never read the books, and that is the Shuri who is and does become, in fact, the Queen of Wakanda. Uh, she does become the Black Panther. Um, actually, we were uh, recalling even before uh, going live, you know, the uh, the various Marvel storylines that have existed. If you think back to last episode, 
episode, of course, we talked about civil war from the comics as opposed to the the movies and the concept of the Illuminati. Well, back in the day, uh, after the civil war and after a couple of other stories, there was a period in time in the Marvel universe, the Marvel comic book universe known as dark rain. Hmm. And during this time, uh, they did something very interesting. They gave the villains the keys to the kingdom, as it were. Uh, Which is t- fascinating, by the way. It, it actually, it was the run that got me back into comics. Like, I remember walking, uh, I was actually at a, at a Kroger super, uh, Kroger uh, grocery wow. store and walking past the magazines and saw, you know, it said Dark Avengers number one and it mm. had the silhouettes of who looked like the heroes. But when I picked it up and flipped the page and saw, Oh no, these aren't heroes. These are all villains. villains. And they're being cheered by the masses and everything. It's a it's a really fascinating uh period in the comics because that was also a time when there wasn't necessarily a specific story with a bunch of tie-ins. It was an event where everything was a tie-in. Like hmm. it was just the state of the universe at that time. Uh villainous individuals who you would have thought would never be in such positions of power are in such positions of power, and then the universe has to kind of deal with it. I really strongly encourage you to check out Dark Rain. You should. Uh, but anyway, during that period in time, there was an organization that was created by the uh, leader of the universe or of, of the world at the time, and that was the character of Norman Osborn, known to Green Goblin. Yeah, known to most people as Green Goblin. He decides that he wants to create his own Illuminati, known <laughs> as the Cabal. Uh, he pulls no in- no originality whatsoever. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he actually he pulls in uh, in much the same way that that Tony Tony did. He he pulls in a lot of uh, leaders in all of the different spaces that he doesn't have control. Like at that point in time, Green Goblin is essentially in charge of America, uh, but he's He's not in charge of uh, Atlantis. He needs he needs Namor present. He doesn't have the kind of uh, 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 pull with the mutant community that he would otherwise. So he gets Emma Frost, who at that point is leading uh, leading the X Men. He also goes after uh, Loki. Uh, to get kind of that magical, Good you know, Loki. high end uh, uh, fantasy realm, uh, and then Namor is actually sent to try to recruit T'Challa because it doesn't matter who's controlling America. Wakanda's fine. Yeah, he wants the black vote. Like it's, that makes sense. You know, he's <laughs> like, man, I need the black vote. So. Exactly, exactly. So, so he, uh, so Namor goes to try to re- recruit T'Challa, and T'Challa, of course, says. No, he told the Illuminati no, and the only reason he ever entertained the Illuminati at the time is because they had a pre-existing relationship. They had fought mm-hmm. together. These are villains coming to him. It's it's a flat out no, and as a result, not one, not two, but the entire villainous power house comes after. Oof, man, uh, you know, you, and this isn't just like a bunch of like ragtag no, villains. These are villains in charge of serious. the world at this point in time. And so, uh, in in the in the following battle, T'Challa is actually rendered unconscious and there is a need, there is a power vacuum in Wakanda. Mm. Somebody has to step up. Now, interestingly enough, uh, at this point in time in the story, T'Challa is actually married. In fact, he's married yes. to a very prevalent uh, uh, comic book character who most people know, and that's the character of Storm, Storm. from the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not that plays out in the movies... That whole hmm. marriage of between... That whole marriage courting situation uh, with Black Panther Marketing and T'Challa is just... <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. Right. And I remember it was actually Free Comic Book Day, I want to say two or three years ago, 2015 or 2016, and one of the free comic books they were they were handing out was like, 
the the marriage of T'Challa right. or something, or it's <laughs> right. like T'Challa and his women. And I'm like, bro, this is trash. Okay. <laughs> and that was during an era too where marriage was like a big marketing thing. Like right. it was like, like, oh, here's Black Panther getting married. Here's uh, a Green Arrow's getting married. Like there was all these big wedding issues. Like, oh, it's the first gay wedding in comics. Like it was right. all a bunch of big, uh, big uh, kind of big marketing moments. Marketing. But at the same time, you know, this was during during that that point in time, and so uh, uh, Storm actually says, you know, that uh, that she's she's not going to rule hmm. uh, Wakanda. It needs to be a Wakandan, and so Wise the mantle choice. falls to Shuri. Shuri, who, by the way, is not reluctant at all. In fact, she's been training her whole life for this, and that's where we should really talk about the differences between film and comics because it starts to be introduced there, and. Shuri in the comics is physical. I mean, she is very intense. And it's almost this weird juxtaposition to see Letitia Wright because she's, you know, her frame is much smaller. And so she's not really seen as this physically imposing in comparison to like an Okoye mm-hmm. or a Nakia or any of the Dora Milaje. There's like mm-hmm. this imposing physical presence that they they carry. And and Shuri in, in the movie, she's just kind of lighthearted and yeah. just going with the vibe. Right, and right, she right. just came back and you're like, ah, you know, I'll improve your stuff, you know. <laughs> And so there's a lack <laughs> of physical exactly. So there's this lack of physicality that in the comics is overwhelming. Which for comic book fans, hmm. if you've if you've seen and read those things, to see in the movie where she volunteers, fake volunteers for that moment of are there any challengers to the for the throne of royal blood of royal blood, and to see how T'Challa reacts. We're kind of listening back like, oh, no, they're not going to go here yet <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because she would do that in the comics. Exactly. Really. Exactly. And that was really that was a big moment uh, in, in the movie. And it's one of those big moments that you don't know about unless you know the source material, because in a way, it's the story acknowledging that they're like, look, we know who Shuri is. And this is kind of like if if we were going to go here, this is where we go here. They, all, they also have another moment like that later yes, on. They do. Uh, but she very specifically takes a very different approach than the Shuri of the comics. And we start down the path of a character that was very much crafted for this universe. And I think is, is set up to be way more than mm. what her, her, you know, comic book origins can be. Yeah. Um, I'm, so, I, I love, I mean, full disclosure, she is by far, and I love a lot of characters in this movie, but she is by far my favorite character. You've been itching to talk about her, and a lot of people have referred to her as a Disney princess. She is the Disney princess. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, would you, would you say she's a Disney princess? Like, I feel like that's, I get it, but I feel like that's almost like cheapening. Which, yeah, you know, I, the, I, Disney under- princesses are awesome. Don't hear, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I got a daughter now, so I get it. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I understand she's so much it. More. I understand it. But I'll put it like this. I remember someone trying to explain T'Challa, right? And they were like, well, he's like the black Tony Stark, Mm -hmm. you know, just, uh, you know, um, we should talk about prominent, um, you know, wealthy genius. I would say that T'Challa isn't the black Tony Stark. Shuri is the black Tony Stark. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and then some, and then some. Right. And so to say that she's just a princess, you know, just doesn't do her character justice yeah. because she is, she is amazingly brilliant mm-hmm. and strong and a warrior in her yeah. own right. 
And so she's the queen. That's what I'm getting at. I'm getting at. It's nothing wrong with being a princess. I'm just saying she's the queen. Well, so that's the thing, right? Because you you said just a princess, right? Like, would you would you say just a prince? You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a lot of connotations into what that terminology actually means versus what it, what it culturally means. Mm. And so like, I, I remember, um, cause I've, I've got daughters as well. And in fact, I'm, I'm, I, I, it's, it's me, my wife and our two girls. And so like, you know, I remember the first time I went shopping back before my firstborn uh, was born she, and I was going, I was, I wanted to, you know, buy, you know, buying all the, you know, the proper stuff and all the safety things. And I remember I was walking through the the toy area and man, you know, rows of all these like, you know, uh, different action figures and everything else and like the Lego sets and everything else. Mm-hmm. But then there's like the girl Lego sets, you know, that mm. they set up. And I remember this moment where I was walking past backpacks, they had two backpacks, one blue, one pink on the blue one. They've got Spider-Man. My girls love Spider-Man, by the way. I'm a, I'm a huge <laughs> right. fan of Spider-Man. The pink one was Cinderella. And I remember stopping and just staring at this. And it's one of these things where, you know, you know, admittedly, and to my fault, I don't, I, you don't see things through certain lenses until you yes. get to certain places in, in your life. Man, and some people again. never will, right? And so I remember like sitting there and staring at these two backpacks and thinking, how are these two characters the equivalent of each other? Like Spider-Man, he's, he's self-sacrificial. He is constantly putting himself on the line. He is constantly looking out for his mm. fellow man. Cinderella sat around and this is going to make some people that love Cinderella yeah, man, come mad on, bro. but you Cinderella, can't be shooting that Cinderella on she, the pod, man. she sat around and like you know in my own little corner in my own little chair and never actually did anything until magic lady came up gave her everything that she ever wanted she goes out marries some dude becomes the queen and I don't think that she like brought democracy into the situation she was just like hanging out in the castle and yeah. so like she is a very selfish character at her wow. core and so like like Whoa. So anyway, all that we getting this reputation for making statements that are gonna get us in so much trouble. (laughs) Look, all I'm saying is that that the problem with the the connotation of princess uh is that it's painted in that kind of light. The Disney princesses of the past have been less heroic than the Disney princess of the present. Uh, and I'm, and it's not not just Shuri, although Shuri embodies it in, in, in a, in a very, uh, super heroic way, but we've also seen this with characters like, you know, the, the Elsa and Anna of the, the frozen franchise, which has been, you know, this major smash hit success and took that concept of what a Disney princess is, flipped it around. Leia, technically yeah, a, a, Disney, a princess Disney princess yes, after absolutely. the acquisition. Definitely. And so, you know, from, from that standpoint, you know, I don't you know. I want to make sure when we say Disney princess, cause I, I hear that and that challenge, but I do want to say that I think that what it means to be a Disney princess and what society's understanding of what a princess is, is kind of evolving and changing and recognizing that that's a title with power hmm. as opposed to that's a person who's waiting for a prince. Hmm. And what's, yeah. what's interesting about Shuri's representation is, and I, I use that word intentionally is because it comes at a time where there is a longing for greater heightened representation of different characters who have been on the margins. And so we see that even with T'Challa himself, and then of course Adora Milaje, and then Shuri being kind of the leader of all technology, mm-hmm. which is significant, I think, because the differences, and we'll touch on this and when we talk about T'Challa, the differences between kind of the film adaptation of T'Challa and the comics is his his intelligence and his smarts and his his technological savvy is really downplayed in the film. So he's not really even 
talked about that he's a genius too. He's mm-hmm. not just a guy who's 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 diplomatic. He's not just he knows how to use these things yeah. and he knows how to manipulate uh, technology. And so to present Shuri not as this physical presence, imposing presence, kind of the masculinization of mm-hmm. of of women characters mm-hmm. to present her as just a regular teenage girl who's laughing and joking with the king who happens to be her brother. And she runs all these things and teaches Everett Ross, which is a powerful scene, which we should talk about her (laughs) teaching Everett Ross. But but the physicality is missing there. And that's a far cry from the comics, because in the comics, she was trained by T'Challa and she desired it. And he empowered her knowing that one day the country would need her. Well, and so, you know, I mentioned that there's kind of two moments, right? The first one being when she raised her hand. The second one being later on in the film, when uh, after Killmonger has burned all of the heart-shaped herbs, there's just one left. And there's kind of this moment of who should it go to? And I thought it was really fascinating that her name didn't even come up. In fact, she didn't even react when this was the situation. Like when when the question of who the the uh, the person to become the Black Panther to challenge Killmonger is that she wasn't even considered, even though that's her birthright. Like even by the, by the standard mm-hmm. set up in the story itself was kind of I thought a message to the audience and to those that know the character's backstory to say we're not taking her there. She's got something completely different. She has a future that's very different from what's come before. And at the end of the day, we're not making Shuri to be a derivative character like she is in the comics. And that's not meant as an insult to the comic book character. But in many respects, she's just another Black Panther. Whereas I think what the movies are setting up this character to be, and typically that means the comics will end up following suit with the popularity. But I think they're setting her up to be her own thing. And that's something that... I, you know, I, I, I kind of said before, and I, I think I put this out on Twitter that, that, you know, she, she's like the new Iron Man. Like I, I see her as the new Iron Man. And as I've thought about that more, I don't mean that specifically as in she's going to take on that mantle, but I think in the coming years as uh, Tony Stark, who, I mean, what was he? He was kind of on up there when, when uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is kind of yes. on up there in Iron Man 1. Like, he's washed. He's, I think Thanos is going to wash him yeah. in Infinity War. I so, agree. Uh, so so he's, he's probably going to be out of the picture here in the next uh, film or two. And so with that being the case, there's going to be a major power vacuum in, in the cinematic universe as a whole, except for the fact that that power vacuum has been filled, and that's by Shuri. Let, let me, let's take a poll here. So what what would you like Shuri in the film, her next move to be? Shuri becomes Black Panther. Shuri becomes kind of the Iron Man of the universe. Shuri becomes her own character, um, or something I'm not thinking of. Shuri becomes Queen of Wakanda. What what would you what what would be your preferred arc for Shuri? I'd like to see both. Okay. Okay. So right. you like see her become everything. <laughs> well, well, not necessarily everything, but you know, you 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 brought up a good point, right? So at the end, when 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 they're having this conversation about who else could could take the heart shaped herb, then she's not even considered, right? And yet, in the narrative of the comics, this is something that she genuinely desires. It's and, core and, to her character. Yeah, it's, you know, that's core one, to her character, yeah. right? And so. Maybe there's room, right, for her to be this, you know, to explore the uh, Tony Stark-esque kind of trajectory with, you know, beyond that point, um, becoming queen 
and Black Panther. Mm, yeah. So so to do that, kind of take it in increments. Yes. And then kind of be the overarching character within that. You, that's interesting. Because with her youth, her youth is 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 really key here. With her youth, man, there is just so so much that that you could, could do there. Yeah, y- you know, and, and so that's that's why I'd like that's, to. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing, right? They cast a young Shuri. Like that's that that is that's a um, laying the ground where you're putting some investment in some of these characters, like her, Tom, the new uh, the new Spider Man. Which, which what, yes. yeah, at one point Shuri and Spider Man team up mm. in kind of the American. She's trying to do things. I think it's against AIM or some some type of of evil or organization, Man. and so they team up with one. Of, and can you imagine? Spider-Man Tell me that would be crazy, man. Yeah, that would that would be something else to see them. And, you know, I think Phase Four, it Black Panther has revitalized kind of the Marvel vision of what Phase Four can be. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that Infinity War is still to come, so this could all be bunk, <laughs> <after that. laughs> which would suck because I mean they're gonna build up Wakanda as this impenetrable country and then Thanos and comes and wrecks well shop but that's that's the thing right like because of of what they've established in wakanda as be and, and vibranium in particular as being this super weapon uh to have thanos come in and destroy it just communicates even further the power level that he's at yeah. and the threat that he represents for the earth but not to get too too high into the co- uh, the cosmic if you think about shuri and the role that she played in this movie and the role that she kind of uh, uh, facilitates in in um, you know in the dynamic between her and T'Challa. This idea of the the cyber sidekick is kind of something that we've seen in a lot mm. of modern comic book interpretations. Cyber sidekick, I love that. I, yeah. I, I just coined that. How about that? I like that. Uh, if you think about like you know, I was a big fan back in the day of a television series called Smallville, which was about the, uh, <laughs> the character. Look, like, some people don't like Somebody it. Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. It gets cheesy. Smallville is back in the day for you. Back, yeah. That's- <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was gonna say something else, man. I'm sorry. Yo, Keep man. going. Keep going. I'll be all right. Keep going. Keep we're not, going. We're not sharing ages on this. Show. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I'm no, the youngest, by the way. I, I, <laughs> if that wasn't ke- clear by him saying, uh, you know, well, anyway, that, that Star Wars oh, here, doesn't fit the model. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> but uh, but no. But if if you look at uh, for for Smallville, they introduced this character of Chloe Sullivan, and uh, during that that entire series was about the uh, Superman uh, back when he was in high school, and he's kind of coming into his own. Of course, he's got all of these superpowers, right? Uh, but Chloe ends up becoming like this. The, the guy in the chair, I think is what they called it yes. on Spider-Man. The person yes. who ends up playing like, okay, go over here and do this and that sort of thing. We also saw this, we, we see this uh, in, in kind of recent times in the, yeah. the, the show Arrow. Arrow, Flash, yep. in some ways, smaller ways. Absolutely. So a lot of these heroes are kind of set up with this, uh, you know, a cyber sidekick or guy in the chair if you go with the, the Spider-Man interpretation. She takes that concept and kind of totally flips it because in yeah. many respects, that character ends up being a, a support role. And she does do that for T'Challa, but she's also very much kind of utilizing T'Challa as an extension of her will. You know what I mean? And she does that yes. even, even more later on in the film, but like, huh. like early on, she's like, go, you know, go here, do this. Like, and then she ends up driving the car. You know what I mean? Like right. she yeah. is actually, more physically present because you you mentioned the fact that this is not a as physical a character as she was in the comics and that's true but they found really unique ways to put her in the action in ways that that kind of role does not normally take right that's really fascinating and one thing that i really loved about shuri and t'challa's relationship 
is just the affection that they have for mm. one another as brother and sister. So it, it links a connective bond to these two characters in a way that I think the comics does to an extent, but I think this is less based upon violence and them vying mm. for the title of Black Panther because there's, I believe, one of the combats where I think is when T'Challa becomes Black Panther. It's kind of like the surprise, right? So he has this mask on and no one knows who this guy is who's in there fighting Wakanda's best warriors and taking the heart-shaped herb. And then he reveals himself. And so kind of seeing that moment where Shuri watches in shock that it's mm. her older brother because she desires that. She mm. wants that mantle. She wants that title and was going to go for it. There's less of that in this film and there's more of this camaraderie and bond in the ways of of affection and i think showing a brother and sister relationship different from because a lot of these cyber sidekicks you take for arrow and then flash kind of hints at it in some ways um, yeah, different people take the role. Yeah, different, different people times, take the yeah. role, but it's it's more of like a romantic, you know, kind of element in some ways yeah. in those in those shows. Or there's at least like the hint of what would happen if they were together. They work so well together. We're so well together, and yeah. you know, we like each other. And in this, it's brother and sister, mm. which elevates, I think, the connection in a way that, as we see later on in the film is really exploited by T'Challa using his powers to get out of a jam mm. because he sees that Shuri is about to be killed by Killmonger. Man. Okay, so so she she does provide that, you know, in, in the way that she is his sister, she becomes all of our sister, right? The audience's uh, sister. Oh, yes. man. And, and she is, to some extent, I'll, I'll say it, like she is the heart of this film. Like, yes. We, we feel for her because we get behind her immediately. And I think part of the reason that happens is not just because they do such a great job between, you know, our, uh, show, showcasing their relationship, but also because of everyone in Wakanda she's probably the most American. Like she is very much like, you know, she's on YouTube. She's watching American films. Like if, if you think about kind of the way that she acts and everything, like there is almost like a regalness that the rest of her family has. And she brings that kind of American teenager attitude, uh, albeit in this very like mature, you know, regal way in, in her own right, even going into her, um, her lab, like, did you notice, like, on the staircases, like, all of, like, the, the vast artwork oh, I love that was the painted art, on there? Yep. She probably did that herself. Probably, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I, I see that, and I see, like, man, this is, like, just like her room. Like, you know, like, the, the hip-hop's mm, going. She's still, she's got the, the, the art yep. and everything. And you notice that when T'Challa enters, he acts differently in that in that space right because it's almost like he can kind of let his kind of disarmed yeah stop it girl stop stop (laughs) it you know oh the king the king your highness stop chill chill delete that video yeah Yeah. he's kind of he's kind of walking with this swag like i feel like she's kind of the his release his relaxation Mm. because his father has such high expectations for him and he feels like he wants to live up to yeah. his mother's expectations as Man, well. She's got a lot of weight on her too, like her mom, the mom. Yes, yeah, yeah. so much weight on her. And Shuri is kind of like, you know, hey, it's all, it's all good. You brother, yo, what's up, man? You know. I call them sneakers, you know, those <laughs> of things I think are just, it, it, it releases the, the weight of the kingdom. So the weight mm. of the kingdom comes off of him. Uh, did you get the vibe that she was, like your teenage daughter, is that, I mean, what are you thinking of? Were you no, thinking of you know, your teenage as, daughter at you know, that point? 
with our youngest daughter, we have three girls. And so our, our youngest daughter is still um, a teenager. And there is a way that despite whether as, you know, military official with rank, pastor and all of that stuff that she disarms me in a way <laughs> yeah, it's not does, it's not it's not disrespectful but it's like in a healthy way she doesn't care about that stuff mm-hmm. and what that does is that that actually humanizes me in, in in a really good way and i felt the same way when when t'challa walked into the lab and she you know she went to at first i thought she was serious when she was bowing and he's like, <laughs> like yeah, and like you said yeah. like and he's I was like, like oh okay so this is this is yeah. official like this is what y'all do and she's like cut that out and then they dap each other up you know and and, and do the Yo. x right and his hold the way his shoulders were he were he was relaxed and so to me that that brought like wow it it created uh, an aura of relatability mm. to T'Challa with the audience because yes. I mean it's one like you can't relate with a king or a superhero. He just fought Mbaku, you know what and, I'm saying. You know what I'm but saying. to see him dab her up like that and and just the way he's disarmed. Okay, I could relate to that guy. It was a really cool Yo, moment. Yo, can we talk about how Black Panther entered the cultural zeitgeist in that moment? Brilliantly played up by the trailer, the dap into the Wakanda forever. <laughs> Yes, was so amazing and natural, and it felt it felt like us. Exactly. It felt like us, man. It felt like when you see your when you see your boy, or when you're oh, what's up, man? How you doing? And it felt so natural and real and honest in a way that I think brought Shuri up even before we knew her name, even before the audience knew her name specifically when they saw her and T'Challa do that that handshake in the trailer, it's like they already loved her. Right. Yes. That is just powerful how that was done. Now, y'all know I'm thinking about Key and Peele right now, right? Oh, which, oh yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, so Jordan Peele playing Obama. His Obama smile is hilarious. So Jordan Peele has a skit where he does the whole Obama and then he's given... Um, the white people, the handshake, and then he gets to he gets to anybody, whether it's a black woman or a black. Come here, come on, come you on, know what it on. is. We all we got, we all we got. Okay, started from the bottom, not yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, uh, how you doing, sir? How, how you doing? It was just hilarious. But man. it was that kind of deal, though. I, you know, because you know, speaking, of it, that was actually, you know, the the moment that was captured mm. with President Obama greeting Kevin Durant. <laughs> Yes. In, right? in the locker room, he, he's shaking the hands of like the trainers and the coaches. And then he gets to Durant and he opens it up. He's like, well, what's up, man? And gives him the dap. And it's cultural. But again, Shuri is embodies, I think, the best of Wakandan culture. But she holds it loosely mm. in the sense of she doesn't take herself too seriously. It's not irreverent. It's not well, irreverent. I see, but that's the thing. Like, is it irreverent? I think there's just enough irreverence because she's a teenager. But I don't think it's an irreverence for the tradition, as M'Baku would say. Right, right, Yeah, right. not as dismissive, right? So, like, as, so that, that interaction, not irreverent. But Shuri is an irreverent character to some extent. You know what build, I mean? Like, build on that. In the midst of, of, of the, the combat and everything, when she does raise her hand, you know, like, oh, this course is like ridiculous. Can we go? And everything like she's challenging tradition in a, in a humorous and lovable way. I mean, we again, it's part of why we as an audience, and again, it's part of that almost kind of like uh, Americana mindset kind of kind of set, you know steeps into us. But in the exact same way, like she's she's fine. Like you know, she'll she'll partake in tradition. She's dancing with her mom, you know, 
and that exchange going into that where he's like, I, I can't wait to see what, what changes you've made to your traditional garb. I want to know what changes she made to that traditional garb. <laughs> right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. like what was she wearing yeah. that could be considered kind of irreverent in the midst right. of that? Like, was it the jaw? Like what, what, what was it yeah. she was wearing? And exactly. so she is not at all afraid to challenge the status quo, uh, which is interesting because you, when you think about what, what Wakanda is, and we talked about this last episode, um, but with with the vast technology of it, as well as the the vast kind of steepness and tradition and kind of this marrying of the two, you'd think, man, this this seems like a utopian idea of kind of mm. the blending. But this is this teenage girl who's grown up in it, who's had access to all of it, who's had the expectation of both worlds, mm. and she's still pushing back. And she's still kind of wow. pushing, pushing the envelope. And that's part of what I love about that character, yeah, too. She doesn't fully enter in and give herself to it in the way that T'Challa does, which actually ends up burning him because he mm. gives himself into the utopia and believes the premise, which is actually false. It's a faulty premise mm. and a foundation, which kind of leads to him crashing as yeah. a king. Uh, one part that I absolutely loved about Shuri is the fact that she entered into the battle at the end. Oh, yeah. The fact that she could have stayed in the lab and done what Ross did. But essentially, she said, I'm going to do both at the same time. I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. That's crazy. I'll teach this colonizer how to use my tech. <laughs> I'll even make it American for him, which I don't know how you do that. But she's like, I, she I'll make vibranium, it. vibranium, man. Yeah, it's like, man, what in the world? Like, she's like, I made it American for you. I made the controls American, like, whatever. And so I'll teach you while I'm fighting for my people and fighting my own people. It's powerful. When you consider Shuri in the comics, her first kill bothered her mm. like she killed radioactive man i think it was with the ebony blade and it really messed with her and when you think that she had been training and building up all this strength and had been seeking out being the black panther for all these years that first time that she took on the weighty responsibility of taking a life it messed with her it wrecked her in the comics and to see that and then see in the film how she takes on Killmonger like full bore. Like she just goes straight at Killmonger. It's just, yeah. man, that is just, it's so much courage to take. And isn't that really represent, representative of the struggle and the responsibility that black women feel in our society mm. when they stand up and go into hostile environments where without a, we, we, and we're going to talk about the Dora Milaje in a future episode. But how they and both Nakia and Shuri went straight at Killmonger because the men had failed. Right. <laughs> the Man, men had look. the men had operated under his delusion and were then attacking their leader. Were, were then attacking the king, and so that we had to pick up the slack because you guys were deceived into this. And so Shuri leads that charge by saying. I, I recognize he killed one of our greatest warriors, but I'm still going to go after this man because I believe in my country and I have to stand for my country. I, I'm kind of curious. I mean, so do you think that her weapons were lethal? I don't think that they were. I think she was mainly disarming to, to allow Nakia an opening to get in. Right. But I think when Nakia was, was clawed and basically thrown off, that she was like, I'll do whatever I can. Right to neutralize him. But I don't think she was really willing at that point, which is fascinating to actually take the life. That's see, that's, that's kind of what I thought too. Cause I mean, obviously this is a, this is a young character. And so that, that, that action is, is a pretty heavy, <laughs> like, you know, that, that puts the audience in um, kind of an interest, interesting position. I remember, uh, have y'all seen Logan? 
Absolutely. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. So, yes. Such a great film. So that that movie uh, is is a it's a hard R, and part of the reason is because you see a young child, younger than Sherry, even uh, like decapitating people. Yes. Like, and that's and you have to like you have to get the understanding of who this character is and what they've been through to get to a point where you're cheering on without this without hesitation. Yeah, exactly. And so Sherry she doesn't have that traumatic background <laughs> to go yeah, and like yeah, yeah. slice some people up. But at the same time, as you mentioned, her country, her brother, in fact, are, are under threat. She's going to step up. But given the fact that she has her power, which is uh, her knowledge, her scientific practice, and you know, this wealth of vibranium, in fact, the wealth of all vibranium hmm. is all on her. She is very privileged in that way. We'll talk about that in a second. Yes. But she, but with all of these tools at her disposal and also her um, youthful innocence to some extent, it makes sense that she would craft weapons that are even more heroic than the heroes, you could argue, hmm. because she's out there neutralizing oh, yeah. her own people as opposed to killing her own people, Ooh. of which the Dormelage and others were doing. Wow. Let's talk point, about that, man, man because we, we referenced it, we hinted at it in the Wakanda episode. This idea that all the vibranium, all the technology, it didn't even look. I saw some 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 assistants and people in the lab with her. It didn't look like they were doing anything of consequence. Aaron, when you think about the fact that she's the head of all vibranium and all of this technological prowess, man, what does it say about the arc of her character? Because, I mean, we can talk about one of the characters that you've seen which I won't reveal yet, is a villain and <laughs> becomes a villain in the comics. Do you think that Shuri could could potentially that that power could corrupt her? It, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely that right. idea. You could say it's possible, but that's what I was an overwhelming thought, the responsibility, you know. And and so you look at the way uh Mbaku references her as a child, right? You know, you've left all of your, you know, te- you know your your yes. your technology. You were getting ready to do the impression. Weren't you? No, no, I, was, I stopped myself. I stopped myself. I stopped myself. You got it in the first episode, you know. so I'm not going to keep doing it. But you know, you you're like, man, this is an amazing amount of responsibility because it's not simply. It it, it would be one thing if she was just the the guy in the chair, so to speak for T'Challa, but she's more than that. You see that, that she sets the tone for the entire nation, for the technological innovation mm-hmm. and of, of the entire nation that even extends not just, it, it, it extends for Wakandans beyond their, uh, personal comforts and convenience, mm-hmm. but health. And, and things yeah, of that nature, the way, the yeah. way they, they, they spoke about health and, and things like huh. that, like, you know, and, and so that's an amazing amount of responsibility. And so you have to think at some point, is there some sort of moral crisis that the character comes to mm-hmm. with that amount of responsibility, especially during times of conflict right. and, and things of that nature? So, man, as a teenager, probably not. She's smart, but I wonder if like she's just like she she's got a cool setup. I don't remember like not it's not too many like teenagers that look at their setup and think, man, I should feel really guilty about that. <laughs> right. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. in many respects, she is who Steve Jobs wishes he could have been. Whoa. Whoa, 
Like wow. So so, uh, so it is now well documented uh, at this point that I am a nerd, and that's yeah. not just <laughs> yeah. that, that's not just the comic book world. That's also from a tech standpoint as well. And so you know, I, I you look at kind of the argument that existed between uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, and yes. kind of the way yeah. that literally the world operates now is based off of these two guys uh, mm-hmm. and what their philosophy to technology was. Well, this is not, this is a world that wasn't part of that debate. This is a world that was actually ahead of that debate. Uh, and, and Shuri, Steve Jobs times a million won, right? Right, right? Everything that is done in Wakanda, like the fact that she, I mean, think about this because they talk mm-hmm. about it inside the mind, that entire train system, she developed that and she's how old. And so yeah. I was sitting there thinking like, man, like you, you got to imagine like this would take a couple of years to like, you know, this looks like it'd take a decade to build out. I was like, well, but vibranium, they probably 3d printed it overnight. Like, you know, so right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You've got the help of super science there. But I mean, like if that's the case, like if, if she is able to come up with in such a short amount of time, an entire tr- underground train system in Wakanda, mm-hmm. she has access to the entire city, to the entire resources and to remake the city at a whim. And she's a teenager. (laughs) And it all goes based on this kind of perfect system of control that all falls to her. She's a very powerful character. She's also a very privileged character in that way. Yes. And I think the thing that is preventing her from having this dark turn, we actually saw in the film, it's her mother. Mm. And at the point where she was was even jokingly disrespectful to her brother, holding up the middle finger, flipping him the bird. (laughs) Hmm. It it was perfectly illustrated that black women have eyes in the back of their head. (laughs) And Ramonda says, says, you know, basically, you know, knock it off. And and immediately in that moment, she, she's like, Oh, oh, I'm sorry, mother. You know? And she, it's almost like there was this understanding of the authority. She'll flaunt the traditions, She'll she'll be like ah she'll hold it loosely she'll have a fair bit of of you know casual reaction to some of the the more stylistic tribal elements of Wakanda but she will not disrespect her mother and if you think about it that leads into the privilege point because we do not we see her exclusively interact with her mother her brother and Nakia and you know she's in front of the entire wa- in the waterfall scene and then Ross. As well. Yeah, yeah, and then Ross. She never interacts with anyone on the ground. Hmm. T'Challa goes on the ground. Nakia goes on the ground, but Shuri doesn't. And so the question is, will she use her power? Will she use her privilege for the benefit of all Wakandans in the sense of the people who are down in the streets, which yeah. is what we keep going back to. Yeah. yeah. Will she take that and will she use it? And yes, in some way she has an impersonal sense in how she's constructed the city. But will she do it personally? And you got to imagine, like, how what would that response point. be? Like, all right, sure, he's hanging out with the people. Hey, you're responsible. You had you moved my entire house, like from this from this hill to this hill. Now it floats now, and I get you know water that just appears out of nowhere, which is great. But you, that, this was a big move for me. <laughs> sorry, man. Sorry, man. That's not she would say. She'd be like, sorry. <laughs> that is fascinating to think about because it's really she's an elite, mm. and as great as she is, and as wise as she is, and as gifted as she is. How would that trickle down to to a regular sixteen year old who's on the streets, who's a part of 
I don't know, the Jabari tribe. And you know, that made the <laughs> you know? last... See, that right there is what made the last scene of the movie very compelling. Hmm. When when the 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 youth outreach basically right was you know was was her responsibility and she she runs over uh you know to the aircraft there and all the you know the kids there they're asking her questions i was bugatti spaceship bugatti spaceship right right i was left wondering like i was left wanting a little bit more of that just to see how you know the teenager genius from Wakanda would interact with these kids that you know in, in Oakland. You, you know what I'm saying? She seems you know, at home on, on the block. She, she does. seems at home. She's dressed like it, but you just kind of like I was like, oh, just give me just a little bit more of that to see how she would react, interact with them. You but, know. But remember, all right. So, so in that same scene, she says like, you know, when I thought when when you were going to take me to America, I thought I would, you know, you'd take me to Coachella, or you'd take me to <laughs> Disneyland. She said Coachella, which is <laughs> very fascinating <laughs> because that's kind of like. I don't want to get too deep into that. I'll just say that's those are interesting choices. Coachella and Disneyland. You know, I, you know, would she even really be ex- <laughs> what would she experience there? Like what is she trying to get at as far as culture? Mm. Is it like high class black culture, <laughs> you know, with Coachella or high class, you know, music culture or like high class, you know, elite privilege at Disneyland? Like what why is she pining for those things versus being in Oakland? Because, right? Because at the end of the day, those are those are American exports, right? That's what the outsider <sighs> understands about kind of the American experience. Wow. Like regard like, you know, so we we get the fact, you know, she's got YouTube, obviously. But I mean, like that's that's still YouTube from an outsider's perspective looking in. She is an outsider coming into America. She may never get back to the streets of Wakanda. She's now leaving Wakanda. She's coming into America as a, uh, as an immigrant and as kind of this, this representative. And I think that she's going to thrive in America in kind of a unique way and doesn't really quite know what she's getting into. And maybe creating the headquarters for Avengers West. Avengers West. Yes. <laughs> That's where you're going. That's exactly Avengers West and, and that type of thing. And she's also a risk for being kidnapped and held for ransom. No, and- she, she, look, yeah, if they tried to kidnap Shuri. You got to throw some intrigue. They can't always be untouchable, man. They can't always be untouchable. All right. So you'd have to, from Wakanda. much like putting Magneto in a plastic prison, you would have to lock her up in the most like, like, you know, uh, oh, she's going to get out. Like, I mean, we know that it would have to be, there would have to be no mechanical locks anywhere. It would have to be like, you know, oh, yeah, folders and everything out. you already know she's going to get out. That's fascinating, man. I, I think you're right in the sense that Shuri is the heart of this film and she's really, hopefully now going to take a turn to being the heart of Black Panther, the comic as well. And who knows, maybe the heart of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She's the once and future queen, my friend. Wow. Yes. Black Tony Stark or Tony Stark is the white shirt? I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go with the latter. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we've enjoyed this conversation talking about Shuri. We'll see you next time on Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. Once Upon a Time in Wakanda is brought to you by The Witness, a black Christian collective, and produced by Pottery Studios. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the entire first season, now available at wakandapodcast.com. And keep the discussion going by following us on Twitter at Wakanda Podcast. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to Missionaries, 
addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.